0: Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. This episode, we're going to do a quick on the counter edition. We would like to thank our opponent correspondent to help us preview Austin FC. We have Landon and Jeremiah Bentley, who will be joining us from Moon Tower Soccer a little bit later to catch us up on the Verde and Black. But the big news this week, and no, we're not talking about Ted Uncle. The really big news this week is we have ourselves... A faux Mm,
1: days.
0: It is a U.S. Open Cup version of the Classico Angelino. We are heading down to Carson to take on the fight in Raheem Edwards in the round of 16 of the U.S. Open Cup. All right, Chris. What are your initial reactions to hearing this bombshell of news that we all knew was coming and we talked about like three episodes ago?
1: I'm glad that we don't have to wait until 2023 to be able to get our victory away and get that monkey off of our back. And then just continue on with the rest of our season because we're going to do what we got to do. But I'm just I'm glad that we have this other opportunity. And I think that the players, the staff, everybody is looking forward to the opportunity because I think that they saw The reaction and the demeanor and how upset everyone was leading up to it. The match itself, how it was called. And it's just an opportunity for redemption in such a short period of time. Steve Terundolo gets an opportunity to see what the derby was like, what the competition was going to be like, what the environment was going to be like. And and now I think everybody's going to be more prepared for it. And we have no excuses this time as to why we won't be able to win you know, regardless of whatever referee or whatever calls, if we give them no reason to have any calls reversed, not in our favor, it doesn't matter. We are playing great football outside of this past game that we just lost. But when you look at the performance against Portland, when you look at the performances against, honestly, any of the teams that we have played outside of this weekend match in Colorado, I think that there is no reason why nobody should think that we're not going to have a strong match in Carson.
0: A couple things, right? No VAR. So we're going to see a completely var list. So the referee is not going to be able to change his mind. Whatever decision is made in the moment, you know, barring a lines person coming over and saying something, that's it, right?
1: That could go either way. Let's be
0: honest. We're not going to be happy with defisioning at the end of this game. We got to win anyway.
1: Let's be honest. I don't think anybody in the LAC community has been happy with VAR. Just because the decisions could go either way, I would rather the call be controversial because of what they saw in the moment on the pitch, as opposed to them going to VAR, everybody seeing that it's not what he's going to end up calling. He calls it anyways, and you're just like, what's the point of this VAR system if you're going to continue to just blow these calls anyways? I would rather him err because he it was too close to call from his regular side of vision as opposed to, you know, trying to split hairs on VAR and then calling it wrong anyways.
0: Yeah, if VAR was an effective tool, we would all care and want it to be there. But since VAR has been so ineffective, it's basically a non-issue that it's there. Galaxy season ticket holders get free tickets.
1: Do you want to know what that means? Yeah. You want to know why? I have my suspicions. So, okay. LAFC fans are up in arms because they're like, why don't we get free tickets to us open cup matches? Let me tell you this. The galaxy have to give season tickets away. I mean, they were giving, what was it with, uh, Costa and Chicharito's number combined, whatever the price was. It was like 20. What? Yeah. They has 10 and 14, $24 gets them a bunch of packages. Right. They were selling tickets to opening day, okay? The demand for season seats is not there. So what better way to get fans in the stands other than saying, hey, our however many, you know, 18,000 season ticket holders, whatever – Here's free seats. You now have no reason not to be at the game. And of course, most of those fans want to see that game because it's LAFC versus Galaxy game, but it's desperate. How desperate do you got to be to give away tickets to a Derby against your rivals? This is not for the fans. This isn't like, oh, hey, you've done us a solid. We're looking out for you. We want our fans to come out and support. No, your fans would want to come out and support regardless if they were really there and they wanted to see the Derby. I mean, this is the only way this is the only way that they're going to be able to get as many seats in a midweek match, I feel, you know, is because they, they just they haven't but they haven't been getting sold out games for anything other than the Derby, you know, a month ago or whatever it was.
0: It astonishes me that they're just not even concerned about the money. Right. I mean, I guess you make money in concessions, you make money in other things, in parking or whatever. So, I mean, there is still a gain for them if people come out and the admission is free. But it seems bizarre to leave money on the table, right? Which means the only reason why a company would leave money on the table is if those tickets wouldn't sell. And the only way those tickets would sell is to LAFC fans. And they don't want a stadium that is three quarters black and gold.
1: And on top of that, let's think about this, too. If that draw had played out differently. And the Galaxy were to play Sacramento or the Galaxy were to play San Jose, that stadium would be just as full as it was the first two games, which is half. I'm sure the marketing department was like, "Okay, we were going to have half as many tickets for a match like this anyways. So really, if we give tickets away for free, we're only really losing on half of the ticket inventory as opposed to a full stadium anyways. Right. So already there, you've already cut your losses in half compared to giving away tickets to a whole match. And like you just said, you know, making sure that the crowd is galaxy heavy versus LAFC heavy, right? Because if they had made these open and available, like the first two matches, there would be no way that there would be as many galaxy fans in that stadium as there, as there will be this time. Well, we have absolutely no idea what the public
0: or the LAFC supporters ticket allocation is going to look like, if at all. I mean, this could be a situation where, they only allow 10,000 season ticket holders in and they don't let anyone else in because they don't have time to put security protocols together. I'm sure there's some excuse they could use to make that happen. There is anything from this being a 50-50 stadium to this being what we saw for the last Derby, which seems the most likely outcome is that once again, the thirty-two fifty-two would be in a cage and then other LAFC supporters would be put directly below us and the remainder of the stadium would be Galaxy. Galaxy which is what we saw last time. That's that's what I would anticipate. But we haven't heard anything about what, if anything, they're going to charge LAFC fans. I can only imagine it's probably not going to be $10 to $15 a ticket. I would imagine they probably once again, ask for, you know, 60, 70, who knows how many dollars a ticket just to try and make that money back somewhere else. So we shall see, but either way, it is at long last a chance at redemption. It has been so many games, so many seasons, in which we have previewed and talked about us taking that trip down to Carson and how important it would be for us to walk out with a win. Now we finally go down there in the first ever elimination game played between these two teams in Carson, our chance to eliminate them a second time after we already did so at the bank. I think it would be the sweetest road victory this team has ever had. I would put it all the way up there with that first win in Seattle. If we were to go in and have our first win at Dignity Health Sports Bar, knock them out of the cup, right? That would be pretty incredible.
1: It would 100%. I think it would be sweeter if it was the next round, you know, where the stakes are a little bit higher. But either way, getting this monkey off of our back is Definitely going to be awesome. It's going to be something that we really look forward to. Well, speaking
0: of getting things off our back, let's yeah, go let's... ahead and just plow our way through what was yeah. an absolutely awful game, one that was not even worth watching, let's be honest. But I did anyway. LAFC yeah, it, I mean lose 2-0 to Colorado.
1: I mean, it was, you know what? It was again. So Ted Uncle strikes again, right? And Twice. they were right. And they were both penalties. Which doesn't necessarily help. We did see some lineup changes, goalie changes to Max Grapo got the opportunity for some rest, much deserved rest. But even in lieu of that, you know, we saw we saw some great play from from some of these players. It, but they did look tired and they did look ragged. And I don't know if it was the elevation, which I again and I'm shocked too, right? Because we spoke to the Colorado opponent correspondents and we had talked about how the matches in between the tired legs, but then they Colorado had to play a game even later because of the rain delay in Minnesota. So I fully, after that, I fully expected Colorado to lay an egg and they didn't. And I'm, I just, I, I don't, what, I mean, I'm curious to know your thoughts as to why LAFC came out and played the way that they did.
0: Well, I mean, who knows what kind of game we would have really seen because the two pens were so early, right? The first one happens at the 15 minute mark. And the game prior to that 15 minutes, I think, is probably the honest assessment of where the game could have gone. And the game was pretty wide open at that point. Both teams looked tired. LAFC had just played four games in 14 days. We're about to play another four games in 14 days. I mean, that's a lot of games to play over the course of a four-week span. I mean, eight games in four weeks, that's a lot, especially for a squad that's starting to see some injury crunch that sold Kim Moon won for a million and did not bring in anyone before the window closes. And now we kind of have to ride out the remainder of these injury stretches and all these games with the roster we have between us and the Las Vegas lights. And we're starting to feel that crunch a little. And I think if you're looking at the calendar and I'm Steve Chirundolo and I'm saying, look, there's one game. We can kind of just sit down and let it go. And it's probably not going to be that important. Was this away game in Colorado? you know, asking them to go and fight for a win at elevation in the heat, being tired. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that can get players injured if they push themselves too hard in that moment. And I could understand the team saying, look, this is a game, we're going to give it 70, 80% effort and see what happens. And that led to some sloppiness and that sloppiness led to two penalties within the first 30 minutes of the game. Now we can go back and forth on whether or not they were by letter of the law or by how the game is typically called penalties. And I think Many, many people throughout the course of the footballing world did not believe that those were both penalties. But Uncle Ted going to Uncle Ted. Homeboy does what he wants to do when he's out there, and he does crazy stuff, and it typically does not go in the favor of LAFC. That being said, this team is perfectly capable of scoring two or more. They've done it plenty of times this season. We did not look like we were a team that was going to score three goals. I don't think we had a shot on goal throughout the first 40 minutes of the game. The first half was completely one-sided, and the scoreline reflected that, even if they weren't, quote-unquote, honest goals. But then you get into a second half, and this this is where LAFC shines. This is where Dolo makes those subs. This is where we turn games around, and we claw back in, and we break other teams down, and we score some goals. And you know what? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. We had our opportunities. I mean, Sifu had a look within the first minute of the second half that was a quick tap-in that... He tries to do with a little bit of finesse and ends up missing the shot. It doesn't go in. Blessing has a wide open look from two steps in front of the goal and somehow manages to put the ball wide right. Both of those are easy tap in high XG shots that should be scored by professionals, but occasionally they're not going to be scored. Those are goals that, you know, 50, 60% of the time go in. The coin flip did not go our way in both of those instances. We could have been talking about a scrappy 2-2 comeback where we fought back and got a point after we felt wronged by two pens. Instead, we walked out of there with Squirrel, a 2-0 shutout for Colorado. But Austin lost. Carson lost. And as a result, we are still sitting top of the supporters' shield standings. All right.
1: Uh, I mean, that's like, Backing into, that's like backing into a a happy moment. You know what? Hey, scoreboard, scoreboard. You know what? We are bound to have matches where you look flat. You can't stay strong and consistent and, and play dominantly all season long. It's a long season. This is the dog days of it too, when it is these really, really heavy scheduled matches. I think that given the full body of work the four matches in the 14 days, how we did, I'll take it, right? I would have rather had a loss in Colorado than a loss against Portland, right? I, I'm glad that we showed up for the U.S. Open Cup match and laid an egg in the regular season and not the other way around and be out of the U.S. Open Cup. I'm glad that we're still in that. So, uh, Yeah, and if it, it me.
0: means we're rested for this midweek game versus Austin, I mean, of those three games, if you're circling one to take it easy on, it's the middle game in Colorado. Like, that is the most – if you're looking at a calendar, and the calendar is one week from midweek to midweek, right? And you're Dolo, and you're saying, gosh, we got a midweek cup game versus Portland, our second bitter rival after Carson, uh, you know, an elimination game in a cup. we got to win this one. We've got Austin coming up midweek next week. We've been joggling you know, back and forth with the two of them for – overall lead in the supporter shield standings there's been a lot of optics uh as far as the social media accounts and the banter going back and forth then you got colorado that's a good team but they're fairly low in the table at the moment you give them two, you know a point or three and and you're not really hurting yourself in the standings too much plus it's at altitude i just it seems obvious to me that that's the game you circle on the calendar and say you know if we lose we lose no big deal
1: right i mean you, you look at everything Since the 1st of May, a win in Minnesota, a draw against Philadelphia, a win against Portland, and a loss against Colorado. You know, the last game of the four in the row is the one where we played our worst. When you look at it in hindsight, if you could go back in April and say, hey, our first four games of May, this is how the results are going to be played out. I think a lot of us would have been like, I'm with it. I'm okay with that, you know? But In the moment, you see a lot of LAFC fans are upset, which I understand, too, you know, because in the moment, it's not necessarily like you can always see the whole picture and see everything that's going on. I think that LAFC is going to play well against Austin, one, because it's at home. You're back on your normal routine. I mean, that was also a really early game. You know, LAFC was playing a game local time at 12 or 1230, and you're in altitude, and you've got some fatigue going on, you've got some rotation going in, so I'm not really overly concerned. Austin is going to be good, Columbus this upcoming weekend, then the Derby, and the San Jose Earthquakes. I, I mean, again, if we play Austin tough, we do a squad rotation game for Columbus, and we take a loss in Columbus, I'm okay with that as long as we are well prepared for the Galaxy match next week. And then the San Jose game is going to be whatever the San Jose game is. Again, that's a home game too. And the Galaxy game is relatively a home game because whatever it is, 14 miles away. By and large, home against Austin, I want to see LAFC come out, guns a blazing. Practically home against the Galaxy, I want to see the guns a blazing. And they're going to be home against San Jose. I think that it's an opportunity for LAFC. Again, if you were to tell me that they were to go, Two wins, a tie, and a loss, and the loss was going to be to Columbus or San Jose, and the tie was going to be to any of the other ones. But as long as the win was against the Galaxy and the win was against Austin, I'd be like, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that result.
0: This month will go down as one of the greatest months in LAFC history if we lose every game from here on out but beat the Galaxy, right? This game versus Austin, even to an extent, doesn't really matter. Same with Columbus. Same with San Jose. You could lose all three of those games. The season is not over. You could still win a supporter shield. You can still make a push throughout summer and the end of the year. You could lose those three games and just save everything for Carson and go all at them. And by the end of the season, it's not going to matter. It will be just fine, right? Even if we took off Austin, San Jose, and Columbus, I don't think that's going to happen. That's not the mentality of this club. They want to win everything, they're going to go at Austin. They're probably not going to go as hard away in Columbus because they'll immediately have the Derby the following Wednesday now. But I mean, I get it. That's fine. And, and at the end of the season, like this weird fluky game in Colorado where, I mean, a couple Ted uncle penalties called the game and nothing else. Who cares? You know, whatever. We had a couple close chances in that game. You know, so did they, frankly, had a couple close chances as well, too, that they could have pulled out an even more demonstrative lead. They never scored theirs as well, too. You know, it took from the spot three times to score two goals, whatever. You know, I'm not I'm not as despondent about it as some people tend to be. Am I frustrated at pro referee like all of us in all of MLS, all of NWSL who are just as irate at pro refs as we all are? Would we like to see something improve there for the betterment of these leagues? Yes. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to let it go, man. Just got to let it go. You got to be like that little icy girl, Elsa, man. Just let it go. Elsa.
1: (laughs) From frozen. There you go, bro. Let it go. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. With that, is there anything else you want to talk about with this game on, (laughs) but I mean, as soon as we start talking about frozen, frozen references, bro, we gotta move on. Is All there right. anything right. is just there saying. anything else you want to say about about the uh just saying the match be one be one with the wind and sky, my friend? Let it
0: go. My thoughts, um Carlos Vela, are we concerned since the announcement of him re-signing with the club? He hasn't found the back of the net, you know, hasn't had the kind of games that people expect from Carlos Vela. Are are we worried? at this point, that that things are trending in the wrong direction, or do we trust Vela to do Vela things?
1: Let me ask you this. What is a realistic expectation? Why do people expect Carlos to be the same Carlos that he was in 2018 and 2019? And that's not to say he can't be. I just think that as players, I mean, he has. He's, he has lost a step. Everyone's seen it. He is in the injuries that he had acquired in 2020, I would like to think that Carlos contributes in ways that are different and that it's still worthy of a designated player spot. Maybe not the amount of money that he's making. I mean, I, I don't know how to evaluate players at all. So my opinion is really worthless. But maybe Carlos is bringing something different to the table. I mean, he has to be respected. And so because he's respected, defenders are going to look out for him and they're going to give him an extra look, throw an extra man, which frees up other people. But I don't know if Carlos is really expected to be this person that's an out and out scorer and the day to day leader of this this club in goals. Maybe he's transitioning into a different role. And if that's the case, you know, why can't he be that person on this squad and still be a designated player? I'm almost
0: wondering if it isn't best for LAFC for him not to be the man on this team, right? If everything runs through Carlos and everything is dependent on Carlos, when Carlos gets hurt, Carlos is not there. Carlos eventually retires. You need a team that can function without Carlos, right? So, I mean, you need the offense to not be dependent upon it. So you need him to step in when he's in the game and do the things that Carlos Vela does well, right? His distribution of the ball this season has still been good. His ability to take on players and retain possession and get you possession back and all those little Carlos Vela things have been good this year. But I think the one thing that stands out to all of us is what do you think when you think Carlos Vela? You think him foot. right there with the left foot just outside or at the top of the box from his favorite corner, curling one towards. That top corner. We haven't seen that from Vela. We haven't seen him comfortable in that shot that defines him, right? And I think that has all of us really concerned. When Carlos Vela is not hitting those classic Carlos Vela bangers, like all of us start to wonder is it gone? Knowing that athletes can lose it at any time.
1: No, you know what? There was a left curler. I forget what game it was. It might have been the Philadelphia match. There was a left curler where you're like, that's the, there's, man, that left foot is deadly. And it just didn't go in, right? It just went to the left of the post or just over over the crossbar. You know, again, I would like to believe that throughout all these years that people have been watching Carlos grow and be a footballer on the world stage, that his only attribute is not his ability to score goals. He has a skill set that brings so many other facets to that role. The ability and and the way that they switch our forwards from having Carlos play on the left to Carlos playing on the right to Carlos playing building through the middle. I think that there are so many other things that he brings to this team that you have to be aware of. That would it be great for Carlos to do all the things that he's currently doing right now and score goals? Yes, of course. But I think that what he still is contributing to this club and how other teams look at him and they have to show him the respect to put defenders on him and be aware of his position at all times. I think that those are attributes that can't just be calculated. Those are, those are the types of ones that you have to be aware of. They're, they're just not blatant, not right in front of your face, not the ones that are the low hanging fruit attributes that you can just attribute to him. So for that, I still think that Carlos Vela is extremely important to this club. And, you know, if the only thing that people are going to rest their hat on on whether or not Carlos Vela is contributing to the club in a positive way is how many goals he scores or how many assists he has, I think that that's an inaccurate way to assess his value.
0: Goals and assists do go a long
1: way, though. Sure.
0: They but... <laughs> do go a long way. No. Well, they moving on. Do. I, think, I think we've made the point on Carlos Vela. Yes. I think we're all okay. in Camp Carlos. We all want him to do well. Sign. Ding. All right. So we talked about Cellini on the last episode, and it certainly seems like the media around it is growing to this being perhaps a bit more of a thing than a speculative thing. It is still not a done thing at this point, but speaking of signed that thing, it is certainly getting a little bit more fire and a little bit more smoke to the Cellini conversation. Now, in addition to that, his teammate, Dybala as well too, has also announced that he is leaving Juve, and everyone and their mother is lining up to try and get his signature, and there are some people out there, Vince, that would really love to see him as well come to lafc so just sprinkling that out there for everyone to ruminate over chris uh you and i have profusely said on this last show that uh we are not watchers of italian soccer nor am i a fan of italian soccer chris did not make those comments i i will double down on them so i i can't say these are two people that outside of international competition we see that much but exciting if Cellini would Come over. I mean, we would certainly take that. But if Dybala would be able to come over as well, too. That that would be something pretty cool. So that was out there in the world, Chris. Do you have a thought or response to that aside from our typical we don't watch Italian soccer?
1: You know, I definitely since last week, I started looking at more videos of Cellini. And I think that again, that's a player that can have a role and can contribute. And do they contribute in the exact form that they're most known for? Maybe, maybe not. But the fact is, is that in this system, can they contribute in a way that makes us successful? And I think that that is what is most important at the end of the day is, can these people contribute in a way that is going to help us get to the goals that we have? As for Dybala, there is no way. There is no way he's coming to LAFC, man. Like, that's not DP slot, bro. We got a DP slot. We got a DP slot. Bro, he is worth more than all of our DPs combined like hey it's not our money uh, you're right it's really easy for us to talk about signing him right when um, it's not our money i mean look i mean will Farrell, Grover,
0: yeah. magic Let's,
1: mia wh- what, is he, what is he like he's like is he even 30 yet he's not he's not gonna happen
0: but come on it's, it's fun to dream all right yes. uh last thing that came out i've already ordered mine LAFC or MLS as a whole dropped the new Pride warm up kits. So we got ourselves a Rockstar Pride kit that came out. Chris, I know you are a collector of all the things LAFC merch. What mm-hmm. were your thoughts on this year's Pride warm up kits? And are you going to be copping one?
1: I liked them. I liked them a lot better than what was it last year's? I liked the look of them. But I have to be honest, I started buying too much stuff, dude. So I had to be really selective on the things that I do and don't buy anymore. And warm up kits are no longer on my list of things that I buy, bro. It's, it's like, I just, I can't. I can't. I can't just start collecting every single thing under the sun. My wife kills me, dude. As soon as these packages show up, she goes, oh, another, another LSU package, huh? And it's like, I just can't keep having this conversation. I don't know if I ever sent you this. There was a meme. It was a person talking with his wife and the wife is like giving him more time. He's like, I could be a drug dealer. Do you know how lucky you are? And uh, so it's like, you're so lucky that I'm not doing drugs. I'm just buying merchandise for my stuff. But no. Anyways. It could be
0: worse. It could be it worse. Could,
1: it could be worse. But no. But I don't want uh, you
0: sleeping on the couch on LAFC's account, brother.
1: Oh, no. I won't. But uh, no, but I think they look great. It's unfortunate that every team shares it, right? Like, I, I like the stuff that LAFC comes out with that is specifically unique to us, you know? And I've also just become less fond of those warm-up kits because every club has it, right? I, I like the things that only we have, the ones that are exclusive to us. Those are definitely things that catch my attention. Um, but I, I think that they look great, you know, and they'll be – I'm sure that they'll – Chris Reed from the foundation, I'm, I, I, he had said that they were going to start doing, like, game day match-worn or warm-up-worn donations and things like that so i'm sure these pride kits are probably going to be on that agenda
0: i mean everybody wanted the blue nectar kits last year especially all the dodger fans out there but they were not you know really all that available and the same thing goes for the rockstar kits this year i mean i feel bad for the sponsors people would be buying those kits you know how lafc fans are we will literally buy anything so I'm, i'm you know i like the chance to to rock the rockstar logo as well too as opposed to flex it's a little mix up you know It's one of the first kits you can buy as a fan that has that rockstar logo on it. So I'm a fan. I'm a cop one. I bought it, um, you know, and want to support our friends over in pride as well too, and everything that that goes to. So, you know, would I love to see LAFC release its own pride kit? Sure, man. Love to see them come up with something cool, you know, captain EO the heck out of that thing. It'd be awesome. I'd be all for it. I think that would be one of the most popular alternate kits to come out. And I think when they're looking to do an alt kit in the future, that might be a great idea. I think the fan base would love it, but, um, you know, in the meantime, I'm, I'm going to grab one of these and uh, whether I wear it to a match or not, I don't know. We'll have to see how it looks once I put it on, you know, just seeing it in the computer screens,
1: a little different feel
0: from actually having it, but that was a cool kit. I'm excited about it.
1: One thing that I think that LAFC could do too, is they can do things like changing the typeface of the kit numbers and stuff like that. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember which teams have ever done it, but I know that there have been teams that have you know for like a one one-off match or whatever or like even the juneteenth ones right right there you'll see the juneteenth kits come out where they have for one match but again that's a league-wide thing that's not just an lafc thing but i digress but well, i think way. we'd
0: we'd all just like to see more kits right we're not a team that gets a third kit despite being one of the best-selling kits out there And i think all of us in the lafc world just want more especially well this year's kit was so fire like it's my favorite kit it, it's become my favorite kit this year's black kit like it's just it for me. I think it's the best one we've done so far. And if that's the direction we're going, I want more. I want more. Take my money. Yes, All yes right. absolutely. Uh, with that note, I think we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back with this week's opponent correspondent for Austin FC after this. This is Will Coons, and you're listening to the Shoulder-to-Shoulder Podcast. Joining us as our opponent correspondence this week to represent Austin FC. We have Landon Cottam and Jeremiah Bentley who are joining us from Moon Tower Soccer. You can follow them at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and most of your social media platforms. Jeremiah, Landon, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. We look forward to
2: this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, y'all.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good one. You know, Austin is definitely on a very, very hot start to this season. Quite the opposite to last season when it was uh, your guys' inaugural season. And for good measure, I think that there's been a, a, a there was a lot of opportunity. And when we saw LAFC play Austin, there was always that potential. For them to have the opportunity, I think that now that they've had that season under their belt and some of those players and schemes have been developing, it's exciting to see them actually come and and perform at such a high level.
2: Yeah, it's definitely been a, a welcome change to this season because last season was pretty rough at times and especially having to do a podcast after losing... Two games in a single week. Uh it wasn't always the most fun thing to do. So this this year has been a lot easier.
3: Yeah, it's a lot of like finding new and creative ways to say, like, guys, we're gonna get through this. There's some kind, <laughs> there's some kind of progress being made, you know. But it was it was a little bit rough. We've enjoyed the season a lot more.
0: I think LAFC was expecting a lot of that from the expansion season. And obviously things went in a crazy direction for us. And it's refreshing to see that Austin has figured it out. And it took some tweaks, it took a few changes to get the team to where it's at. So for our fans that don't watch the Verde day in and day out. Let's try and catch them up on some of the changes that have been made since last season to this one, um, as far as tweaks to the roster. So we've got a few additions we'd like you guys to touch on that came in over the course of the last off season. Uh, so we've got Norway international Ruben Gabrielson, who's joined from Toulouse. We've got Ethan Finley, who's come over from MUFC. And then, of course, we have Urudi who's come over from Houston as well, too. So kind of talk us through those additions and how that's changed the squad.
2: Yeah, I mean, so Gabrielson came in and filled a pretty big hole at center back. We had Matt Beasler there playing for half the season, but then he was out for the second half with injury. And so we're playing a 22-year-old Johan Romagna for most of the season, and he was OK, but... Um, showed a lot of deficiencies there as well. So Gabrielson has really kind of stepped in and been able to solidify the back line a little bit. Uh, Maxi Ruti was a guy we weren't sure was even going to be the starter, but he's actually come in and been really good for the team. I think he has four goals so far, but Ruti's one of those guys that just works really hard. And so even on games that he doesn't score, he does a lot for the team. Finley is a guy who has had to step in and start a lot of games since the Cecilio Dominguez suspension. And so he's not necessarily expected to be a starter and we're maybe hoping he won't be a starter for super long, but he's done, he's done a decent job. But I think more than anything, those guys have come in and brought some real veteran leadership and you can see the guys in the locker room are just like they're friends now and they, they believe in the system. They kind of know what they're doing. They're having fun. And I think the guys like Aruti and and Gabrielson and the Felipe Martins is another one that you can tell that the rest of the team just kind of gravitates towards, and they just all really like each other, and those guys have really changed the dynamic in the locker room yeah you'll you'll see a lot of videos of like guys barbecuing or they just
3: they put a guess what was a spanish language YouTube piece uh on last week that was just Diego Fagundes and uh juicy and and Arruti just like sort of sitting around and chilling and just shooting the breeze you know and it's really. There's a locker room culture that's developed that was definitely not there last year that I think has contributed a lot to the, um, the early season success.
1: In addition to some of these players that you had acquired, there's been a couple of players that have also stepped away. Tomas Pachatino, who was a DP for you guys last year, he is now on loan for the whole season until December at River Plate in Argentina. And then there were some of the other key losses. Uh, Matt Bueser had retired. Ben Sweat went on to SKC after his option was declined. And Ulysses Segura is now playing for Deportivo Saprissa in uh, the Costa Rican league. So can you talk about some of those uh, losses and, and where those holes had been filled for the roster this season?
3: I'll go, I'll start with Pochettino. Cause I think he's the most interesting one. Like that's like, he's a guy that they saw a lot in obviously, thought he had a lot of talent, brought him in as a DP, and he just never really fit into the system. So I don't even know what whole him being gone leaves because he never really found his place. And, you know, I think he's back in South America and probably going to be fairly successful. It's just, it feels like it was really a combination of a player, like a player and a system that didn't fit each other you know, Josh Wolf criticized him some for freelancing, you know, Josh Wolf's system is very much a system and like people have roles and things they need to do. And I just don't think he ever bought into it and fit into it. So if he goes to South America and is successful, that's like the best of both worlds for both the club and the, and the player. Cause he was just not, he was like a round peg in a square hole in Austin last year.
2: Yeah. And I'd say for the other guys you mentioned, Beasler, Sweat, Segura. So Beisler, like I said, missed half the season. And so, Ben Sweat was towards ACL in the second game of the season. Ulysses Segura actually never suited up for Austin FC. He came into off season and was training and they used the buyout option and he left. And so, although like some of these guys did play a role for the team last year, it was all so long ago that like, it almost like feels like we're not filling that like those holes, but the guys who stepped in, in their place. And so, Gabrielson is not necessarily even replacing Beesler. It feels like he's replacing Romagna just because those guys have been out for so long. But yeah, for the Pochettino role, I really think we didn't really fill it directly, but uh, Sebastian Giussi being here for the whole season and really like having that off season to fill in has helped. But then also Danny Pereira um, has stepped in and become like the number six for this team. And I think that was really, kind of the missing piece last year is we didn't really know who was the best piece where in the midfield. And so there's a lot of shuffling things around and trying to get the best out of some of these players. And now it's been very clear every game that Danny Pereira is the six. And then Alex Ring and Sebastian Driussi kind of play those those free eight roles in front of him. Yeah, and then Ring
3: this year during the offseason picked up the became the, our third designated player, even though he was already on the roster and he's playing in a more forward and advanced role um, than he has in the past. And he's a bigger part of the attack. And we saw that uh, against RSL last week when he scored quite a banger of a goal.
0: Yeah. So speaking of designated players, right? The spine of every roster is built around those three bullets. Your GM has in the gun to go out and get the best possible player, the impact player. So do you feel as far as um, Drew C. Ring and Dominguez, that those were the right three choices at DP. Are the fans happy with the performance you've got from the three of them so far?
2: And what's the evaluation of the usage of DP on the squad? I, well, Drew, you see is absolutely the right call. I don't think anybody is complaining about him. He's been amazing, well worth the money there. Dominguez, I think I mean, he's been out suspended for the last six games or so. We're not, we're not really sure when we're going to see him back, but he was playing out of position all year last year, mostly playing as a nine because we had so many injuries on the team as a left winger, he's actually quite good and looked pretty good for the early games that he was a part of. Uh, So I, the jury's still a little bit out on him. A lot of fans aren't really sold on him, but I think given a full season playing in his actual position, he would be quite good. And then Alex ring is, It's one of those interesting things with kind of the new rules in MLS with the U-22 initiative. Austin FC is currently using all three of their U-22 initiative spots. Therefore, that third designated player has to make, essentially be like at a TAM level or be a young DP. Therefore, Alex Ring is that TAM level player that slotted into that third spot. And so I think a lot of people who aren't as familiar with those rules were disappointed that it wasn't. Someone else like Driussi, who's the third DP, when really it was impossible for it to be someone else like that because they had to make less than whatever one point six million or whatever whatever the rule is. So that's where like I was happy with it, but I think a lot of the people who weren't as familiar with those rules were pretty disappointed.
1: Do you think that if Pochettino had fit into Josh Wolf's game plan, that you then would have seen a different player filling that twenty-two initiative? Or would you have had to find something else to a better role, I guess, for one of the DPs? Cause it I I wasn't Pochettino making more than that, that one point six threshold, anyways.
2: No, he was still well within the TAM threshold. So we could have bought him down as oh, well. Okay. And if he's on loan right now, so in the chance that River ends up not buying him and he comes back, we could still buy him down with Tam.
1: In the event that they don't buy him, that I mean just having the arsenal of players of that caliber is always beneficial, you know it's a good problem to have, as they say. That's a heck
2: of a TAM player right there. That's (laughs) that's a really good player on TAM money. I mean, on paper he is, but he was very disappointing for us last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, but you know what? I mean, you you could also look at some players in the league where like, for example, Brian Rodriguez, right? There was a lot of people who were disappointed with Brian Rodriguez, especially when he goes on to his loan deal in Almeria in the uh, second division in Spain. And then he comes back and seeing that the grass necessarily wasn't greener where he went and he came back. And I think that that kind of contributed to his attitude and the effort that he's put forth on the pitch this season and the end of last season. And it could actually, it, I felt like taking that opportunity has benefited us more so than the other way around. And so it could be a similar situation here. Definitely. Yeah.
3: I mean, that would be great. We pot would be a great outcome. I think if that was to happen, I don't think it's anything we expect, but it's good to know that there's some example out there of, Somebody who's sort of seen the pastures and come back.
1: Talk to us a little bit about some of these role players, right? Some of the lesser known players on the roster that uh, LAC should be aware of and look out for.
2: I think one that we'll probably see at least some of is going to be John Gallagher, who has played striker for us some last year and then moved over to the wing. He's been playing a lot of fullback this year and has done a really good job. Jean Kolmanich started this last game and went... I think he went the full 90, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Gallagher started at left back this game. But he's changed positions, but has been really, really good. Who else would you call a role player in this team? That the, the
3: people should look out for. I think Julio Cascante is probably another one too, and he's a bit of an MLS journeyman, and he had a really rough year last year, but he's really connected well with Gabrielson, and he's a solid decision-maker as a defensive player, and he's a offensive threat. Like He's a real threat on set pieces, um, and he's – I think it's like – total goals created or something. He's one of the best defenders in the league
2: Um in terms yeah, of with being able us, to contribute. I think has two, like three or four assists as well because just playing long balls in and things like that. But, yeah, he's he's been really solid this year. And then one that almost feels a slight to call him a role player is Diego Fagundes. He's a guy that you don't always even notice doing amazing things, but he is always doing amazing things. And I think he leads the league in assists this year as maybe tied – but he's been, he's been really, really good this year. And even like I said, in games where you don't notice him, if you watch closely, he is almost always impressive. I think in our, our
0: last games against each other, he was a name that many of the LAFC fans were talking about after the match as someone who stood out for us. But Chris, you were saying,
1: well, I was just, you know, it's, it's always nice to have a player who is electric on the pitch. He's a fan favorite. I mean, You know, when we spoke to Jay Torres from Los Verdes, he was always talking to us about uh, Diego Fagundes, right?
2: Oh, the fans uh, love
1: him. The fans love him. (laughs) Just a huge fan favorite. And the fact that it's, you know, he's great with the fans. He's great on the pitch. And he's not he isn't one of your designated players that you're expecting him to be the top performer. But when you get a player who does still perform at a very, very high level, it's, it's the best of all worlds. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, He was, he was one of the few bright spots like consistently throughout the season last year.
0: And it's been a particularly bright season. I think most LAFC fans are familiar with the Twitter conversation back and forth between our franchises when one leapfrogs the other in the standings. But It's certainly been a fantastic year for Austin so far. Six wins, two draws, three losses, 20 points. Second in the West, although I think Dallas may have just pulled up on you there. You know, still looking well above top of the table, well above the playoff line. So, you know, take us through how this season has rolled out and and are you shocked by comparison to last season? Did you see this coming? Is it exceeding your expectations or is it supporter shield or bust and you're unhappy with what you've got so far?
3: I think it has definitely exceeded our expectations. Uh, I think we were helped a lot by the or the early schedule to the season. I mean, you start with Cincinnati at home and Miami at home. That's a good place to be. And Andrew Wiebe has pretty much like had a one man fight with the entire Austin fan base on Twitter about how like the only reason that we sit where we are is because, of the, the easy schedule in April. And I think that may bear itself out a little bit, right? May's been tough. We got Galaxy, then RSL on the road, and then and then LASC in a midweek game, you know. So I think we'll see this month whether this is a really it's definitely an improved team, but we'll see this month whether it's a vastly improved team that is going to be competitive in the playoffs, or if we're going to sink back down and be one of these competing for the last spots in the West kind of squads
1: you know i you talk about your your uh upcoming games against the galaxy and the rsl and actually those are the last two matches that you guys had played where those were your first uh two of your three losses throughout the right. whole season they were close matches it was one goal set the difference a zero one versus the galaxy and a two to one loss versus rsl but the fact that you guys are going to be seeing them again in just a short very very short period i think that that plays to your favor because it's not going to be so much of a new thing right with these teams it's it's very much like there wasn't couldn't be much that was implemented in a short period of time however this midweek match against lafc you guys might make some changes and what would be any of those changes that you might expect to see to try and right that ship
2: well a few of the changes are going to be forced Danny Pereira got the red card against rsl so we'll likely be seeing johan valencia who's a defensive midfielder i think he's 25, Jeremiah? That sounds right. Yeah, mid-20s, pretty young guy still, but everyone expected this guy to come in and be the starting defensive mid whenever we brought him in over the offseason, but Danny Pereira has been playing out of his mind and has not let this guy touch the field, really. So he has pretty limited minutes, but he will likely get the start against LAFC on Wednesday. So that might actually spell something really
0: positive for you because this would be the third time an opponent correspondent has come on this show this season and talked at the very first mention when we talk about their prediction for the game, mentioned a defensive midfielder who got a red card and how this is going to be a big hole for them. (laughs) We lost both of those games. So, and LAFC do not have a lot of losses this season. I don't know if that is portent of anything, but uh, since you bring it up as the first thing, uh, instantly the horror music is going off in the back of my head because the last two times we've heard this, we actually ended up losing those games, but I'm sorry yeah, for the LAFC fans out there, I know we're thinking the same thing. I I had to comment on that, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead.
2: No, I a couple of other force changes are Cecilia Dominguez missed five weeks with suspension. is just started training again last week, and so he will didn't even travel for this one. He won't be available. Brad Stuver was injured against Houston. I think he did travel, but Adrian Healy said on the broadcast during the game last night that they're not expecting him to start in this game it'll probably be the next game against orlando before stuver sees the field again so a few force changes there as far as tactical changes uh, josh wolf has really not ever changed much of what he's done for an opponent he always says that we want to impose what we do and we're going to worry about ourselves and he's mostly practiced what he's preached in that regard I don't know if that's necessarily the smartest thing to do. He he has changed his tactics overall this year, wouldn't you say, Jeremiah?
3: Yeah, he's been he's been a little bit more flexible overall this year, but he's definitely he says over and over again, like you said, that, that like Austin's going to play their game and they're not going to fit it based upon the opponent of that week. And so it's just a matter of the one time he did change it up last year, it was like one of the worst games we played all year long. Yeah, we <laughs> decided to switch a formation. And it's up So we like him sticking with his system because it's yeah you know, it makes sense. Like he's recruited players for it right, and they're building it a certain way. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't make a lot of sense to to make a lot of crazy swaps.
0: So what are you guys expecting from this midweek match as far as a result? Uh, you're catching LAFC in a streak of a lot of games in a short amount of time. The fatigue's built up. You're getting a few injuries to our squad as well too. Um, Plus, with cup games and other things going on for us, it's a very crowded schedule. We're playing basically two games a week for the entire month run here. So with all that in mind and given your current form, which you've recapped our fans on, what's your prediction for this match?
2: LAFC does make me nervous. The fact that y'all are in a little bit of a skid of form as well makes me feel slightly better about it. But uh, Danny Pereira has really been one of the driving forces behind this team this year. And so I'm a little bit nervous about him not being in the game. And uh, I, I think if Johan Valencia can come in and have a good game, then we stand a chance. And if he can't, then we don't. Yeah, I'm a worried. We've, we were really,
3: really
0: bad at midweek games last year, and I'm worried that there will be another midweek blowout for Austin. So looking past this game and, and to the rest of the season, uh, where do you predict Austin finishing on the table? And what, if any, are your postseason aspirations in your
2: second season? Jeremiah mentioned Andrew Wiebe's beef that he started with all of Austin earlier in the season. I like kind of agree with what Andrew Wiebe had been saying (laughs) that like, I don't like we're sitting in third place right now in the West. I don't think that's where we'll finish. I think before the season started, we were saying we'd be happy with a playoff spot. And now I think expectations have probably changed a little bit. I think the probably best we can hope for is fighting for, getting fourth place and getting a home playoff game. But I think not making the playoffs is a huge disappointment at this point after what we've seen, what this team can do.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with the way that we've started and with the the way that this club has just gelled and come together. I think our expectations are definitely higher. And so, you know, somewhere four, five, six. And then, you know, hey, it's the MLS playoffs. You never know what happens after that, right? I mean, RSL took out the, the, the first seed, the first round of the playoffs last year. So I think we could just make it there would be awesome and if we could make it there and what a match that would be that would be an
2: amazing year getting a home playoff game would be like i wouldn't even care what happened after that if we can get a playoff game in q2 stadium that would be just fantastic and then whatever we can worry about getting further than that the next year i don't care i just want to see that crowd in that stadium with a like single game elimination on the line. Ooh, imagine if it was like a Texas Derby as well too. Like, oh, yeah. ooh, it could be so spicy. Be
0: even better. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm rooting for you guys in that regard. Can you please just kind of give our fans a little plug for your outlet here? Tell us a little bit about Moon Tower Soccer, where fans can find you, and a little bit about what the show is.
2: Yeah, so I tell people this a lot, and if anybody's ever listened to the Total Soccer Show, I'm sure a lot of your listeners our regular listeners of that, but we kind of base our show after that. We want it to be nerdy enough and informative enough that soccer nerds can get into it. But we try to break things down well enough that folks who are just getting into soccer, just getting into MLS can listen to it and, and learn something from it. And so that's kind of the thing that we do, but we'll, we'll break down games every week, release weekly, and then uh, we'll have player interviews, staff interviews, our favorite thing is like some of my favorite interviews have been like Preston Burpo, the goalkeeper coach, or like the director of player personnel, like guys like that. We like to like dive in and like ask them questions that nobody's ever asked them before. Uh, I don't know if our listeners like those as much, but those are the ones that I like the most.
3: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Those are the ones that we, have, we do have players every once in a while. We have writers every once in a while, but it's just a, uh... Because Austin's new to this league, you know, we try to be we try to be accessible to fans. So we spend a lot of time like, oh, this happened now. What does that mean? You know, break that down. What is this term? I'm asking Landon all the time. These terms I've used for years, I've never really understand the origin behind or like what they where that really came from. Like, wait a minute, what is this thing really
2: that we always talk about? We did a whole gam tam explainer episode last year. Oh, that's, that's doing the Lord's work right there. My goodness.
1: (laughs) I still, to this day, like I'll have to have Jonathan or our other co-host, Christian. Hey, okay. Explain, explain to me, explain to me, gam, Tam again, explain these (laughs) these Garber bucks to me because it's always something that you need that refresher on until you finally get it.
3: Yeah. And it's been easier for us. Uh, you know, at first when we, we we did the show for a year and a half without a, a year and a half, probably without a team, which I mean, we were like reading, we were reading sponsorship announcements. We were reading like notes from neighborhood association meetings where somebody from the team would show up. Um, and then also, like when you have real examples, right, when you're signing game players and TAM players and DPs, like finally they make sense to the average fan. So it's that's been a good thing to have, too.
0: Well, thank you, gentlemen, so much for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate your time and helping us catch up on everything Austin. Folks, once again, our guests for this opponent correspondent segment representing Austin FC have been Landon Cottom and Jeremiah Bentley joining us from Moon Tower Soccer. Please follow them at Tower Soccer and check out the show to catch up on all things for Los Verde. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate you coming on. Folks, we're going to be right back after a quick break with our final segment of the show. Yo, this is Shavo from System of a Down, and you're listening to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. All right, Chris, we have just heard from our opponent correspondent. Are you ready for this midweek matchup versus the fighting broccolis? All right, they're coming to town. All right, all right, all right. What do you think is going to happen?
1: First of all, I'm excited to see, which I, I was extremely disappointed to see that we were playing Austin midweek when the when the schedule came out, um, especially because of when I went to Austin last summer and I saw the environment uh, at Q2 Stadium, um, I felt like it was a very, very good live atmosphere, especially... Leading up to the match, you know, you had the supporters for the Austin FC uh, chanting and and just doing a lot of things that I felt like we see here with LFC. So when I saw that it was a midweek match, I was disappointed in the sense that, man, we may not get as many Austin fans here in Los Angeles as we would have if it was a weekend match. That being said, I do think that Austin is going to make an effort to come out and the environment is going to be a lot of fun especially because the last time they came, the stadium was half full or even not even. I think it was like a quarter full. The 3252 was a small representation of the grander thing. I know that the Austin people that had come, that I had spoken to, they had all said that even though the stadium was a quarter empty and there was only a small section of the 3252, they were still very much very impressed by the 3252 and what was being shown in the supporter culture so i believe that austin fans are going to a want to come because coming to los angeles and watching lafc play is one of the premier stadiums in the mls and people want to see that environment and it's going to be a, a, a you know top top teams from the west competing uh so be outside of all that i think the atmosphere is going to be amazing and that's one of the things that i'm looking forward to most is the in-game atmosphere and what it's going to be leading up to the match for the match itself i think that lafc is going to come out strong i think that they're going to look to make a statement especially after having a loss we saw that when lafc lost to the galaxy the following match they came out and they made a statement i think that that's going to happen again and i think that it's it's going to be setting the tone for the next 14 days the next four matches over the next 14 days Wednesday is the match that's going to set the tone for the rest of the month
0: I I agree I think just because Austin have caught off to such a great start this season kind of means LAFC from just that we want to dominate the west standpoint feel the importance of putting a stamp on this game and saying no like step back son we got this I I get that whole mentality of wanting to assert yourself in a place of dominance within the league. I I do think, especially with it being a home game, that LAFC are going to throw the A-team at this game and then potentially take the weekend game as as a squad rotation or you know, as a game in which they're not going to pedal to the metal like we expect certainly next week, midweek versus the Galaxy. But again, I, I think all eyes right now are on that U.S. Open Cup match. If we have a poor result versus Austin and we have a poor result versus Columbus, and it's because we're not given 100% effort, be okay with that because that means we're saving that effort for next week where it really matters to us, right? Where it's win or go home. These games at the end of the season are probably not going to be that big of a deal. Can you afford to drop points if you want to win a supporter shield? No, you got to you got to at least try and get a point out of these games. But, well, the home game, maybe a little bit more. But, again, when it comes to this weekend game, I just don't see it. I, I really, I think this game midweek has all the tendency to be a 1-1-2-2 one, one, two, two draw. I, I think that's okay. That's all we need out of this game. It's a big deal for Austin. This is probably a game they've got circled on their calendars that they're going to want to step up to and show it. And for us, it's really not as important a game. But I still think it'll be the A squad with you know some decent rotations. I'm worried about the Hollingshead injury. I'm hoping that he's okay and able to go. If it's Escobar and Palacios, I'm okay with that. But we're very thin at outside back now. And somebody's got to be there on the bench to spell those people. And when it has been you know, Acosta or Blessing that's gone to one of those outside back positions in an emergency situation, it hasn't necessarily been the best thing for us. So I'm starting to get a little concerned at outside back especially with so many games in such a short amount of time uh, that if we don't get hauling set back, what exactly does that mean? Because somebody has got to be putting in a lot of minutes. And, And frankly, the team has been putting in, it's starting to add up, you know, the rotation hasn't really been there the way we'd like to see Tony Leone made the bench for the first time. Couldn't get into this last match. Come on, give the kids some minutes, give, give these guys a break. Um, so I think we're, you know, it's gonna get a little dicey over these next couple of games. And again, just everybody take a deep breath. That's all right. If we don't win these next two games, it's okay as long as we win next week on Wednesday. That's all that matters right now. Once we get through Wednesday, then we can start focusing on the season again as we get into the break in June and try and finish strong into the break and maintain that supporter shield position that we have at the moment. But I'm okay with the team having a couple hiccups right now, as long as they circle the right days on the calendar.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I I think that we have to keep in mind what the end result is. The end result is that we want to still continue to play in the the U.S. Open Cup. And we want to still be within striking distance to have a home match when it comes to the MLS playoffs.
0: But let's be Um, honest. What matters of, of the three trophies, U.S. Open Cup, MLS Cup, Supporters' Shield, What's the least important of those three to LAFC?
1: Supporter shield.
0: Of course, right? So, I mean, if you have to sacrifice one to have the best chance of winning the other two, and right now all of us are putting US Open Cup above supporter shield. Like there are reasons that teams don't win the treble. You have to be incredibly deep to play that well in all of those facets, right? When injuries start to mount up, like this team frankly has, some of those things are going to get sacrificed. And for me right now, I'm fine if LAFC slipped to fourth. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. We started getting fifth or lower. I might start getting a little concerned. But if we dropped first, second, third, fourth, and we're focusing on the cup and beating Carson and advancing, I'm okay with that for right now because I know this team's got another DP coming this summer. I know we've got some other additions coming, potentially Cellini, potentially another outside back coming in as well too. This team's getting reinforcements. We're going to be okay at the end of the season right? We just need to get through right now. We don't need to fight for every single point right now at the expense of potentially a cup because of injuries, a open cup because we were paying too much attention to points early on in the table in the season. When we've built the buffer, we're in a good spot. We can afford to lose games just like we lost over the weekend and are still supporter shield leaders. All right, Chris, do you have any final thoughts before we go ahead and wrap up one nineteen?
1: No man, I'm just uh, looking forward to the match on Wednesday. Uh, hopefully, you guys can go out and support. I know midweek matches are tough, but this is definitely one that you're not going to want to miss. I think that it's going to be an electric match, and uh, I think LAFC is going to, you know, like I said, I think they're going to write the ship and win. I think that it's going to be a really fun match, really fun atmosphere, and the uh, people from Austin, the Austinites that have that have come, we've always heard good things, and they've always been such a a welcoming bunch of people back and forth. So I, I look forward to it. I just, I look forward to seeing some old friends.
0: Yeah, look, no Laker games, no Kings games. Come on out. Banks still rocking.
1: Yeah, I don't, to know if you wanna, I don't know if you want to watch the Dodgers right now.
0: Hey, we won today. Walk off, baby.
1: Gavin Lux. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although we but did man. get spanked by the
0: Phillies in those other games. My goodness, that was rough. Although you can't put it on the bats, man. The bats were swinging it, dude. We were scoring runs. All right. Even though we still, Max Monty, Chris Taylor, they're not doing well. Mookie Betts still struggling to kind of find it. Doesn't matter. Still putting up a lot of runs, but uh, pitching staff's got to figure it out. But this is not a Dodgers podcast. <laughs> With that, folks, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank everybody, for listening to episode 119 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Please follow at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. Hit us up. You want to come on here and be a guest? I know how Ellie is. Everybody wants us to come begging to you to come on the show. Be different, alright? Be better than that. All right. Just hit us up. Say, hey, I wanna come chat some LAFC. We would absolutely love to have you on the show. With that, we'll call it. Take us home, sticks. Shoulder,
3: up to show up. Together, this our culture. From the force of a supernova. Stay flying at FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nickies, Korea Town Liddy. Cape us, mommy, about to drop her in. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, i defend that bang.